0: Why do I even keep going on? It feels like God's not even answering my prayers. I don't feel like I have any friends, and the people I think are my friends, it seems like they are talking, being behind my back, and don't really like me. Why do I even bring children into this world? It's such an evil place, war, unrest. Men's hearts are just bent on evil. It seems everything I do just flops and doesn't go right. Every time I think maybe I can make a go of something, something else happens, and I go backwards two steps. What's wrong with that picture? What do you think should happen to me this morning with that kind of a mindset? Mark Twain once said, I can live two months on one good compliment. I'm going to say this, some of the things I just read are not actually happening to me, okay? But this morning, I would like to preach a message to you on the art of encouraging. And we'll talk a little bit more about that title a little later. Did you catch what Mark Twain said there? He said, I can live two months on one good compliment. Sometimes that's all, that is all people need. One of the greatest coaches in history was John Wooden, who coached the UCLA Bruins to 11 national championships in 13 years. He understood Mark Twain's statement and had a special way of making sure his players applied it. Wooden instructed his players that whenever a basket was made, the player who scored was required to smile, wink, nod, or point to the player who passed him the ball. When Coach Wooden gave these instructions to one team, one of his new players said, but coach, what if he's not looking? John Wooden said, I guarantee you he'll look. He was right, because everyone is looking for encouragement an affirmation. Charles Schwab, the famous business businessman, said, I have yet to find a man, however exalted his station, who did not do better work and put, put forth greater effort under a spirit of approval than under a spirit of criticism. What does this word encourage mean? To give courage to to give or increase confidence of success, to inspire with courage, spirit, or strength of mind, to embolden, to animate, to incite, to inspirit. And encouraging, I believe, is an art. Some of us can do it a lot easier than others of us. For a lot of people, it doesn't come naturally. It takes practice, and that's why I believe it's an art. Because we are all selfish by nature. And therefore, when we encourage someone, it means we are not thinking about ourselves. And that's why I feel like it's harder for some of us to encourage than it is for others. And I'll be honest with you, I'm one of those that has a harder time encouraging. This morning, all of us need to be an encourager. Everyone's sitting here in this room. There is husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, church leaders, Sunday school teachers, school teachers, business owners, managers, chairman of committees, and the list goes on and on sitting right here. And all of you, all of us, need to be encouragers in all of these areas. Now, I know a man personally who is a man who is an encourager. In fact, I'm not even sure if he can't not help himself but to encourage. Constantly. To the point where, you know, you kind of feel like, is it actually real? Real? Sometimes. It's constantly, keep going, you got it, you can do it. We just keep on going. And I've wondered already, does he never become discouraged? I've seen him go through some fairly hard things in his life. And even in those times, when there was other people That were doing him wrong. And have done him wrong. Even then, when he wanted to talk about them, he would say something and then he would just catch himself. What am I saying? Why am I doing it? I'm sure he's faced discouragement. I'm sure he's had those times. But he is constantly encouraging someone. He's on the phone. And I hear him when he's on the phone. It doesn't matter who it is, whether it's one of his children or whether it's someone else. It's a constant encouraging. I have some verses here I would like to read on this here. And I'm just going to give the reference and then read them. And I don't, not all of these, did I even look to see where they're at and what the context is. So if you want to look it up, you can. I just pulled these verses from when I was studying and it came across my the um, Bible software that I use. Exodus 14:13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you, which he, he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more, forever. In Second Chronicles thirty-five two is talking of Josiah is here, and he says, and he set the, or it says, and he set the priests in their charges and encouraged them to the service of the house of the Lord. In Isaiah 41, 13-14, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. In Matthew 2, 9, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Matthew 14.27 But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. In Matthew 17.7 And Jesus came and touched them, and said, Arise, and be not afraid. Mark 16.6 And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. In Acts twenty three eleven. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. In Acts twenty seven twenty two. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. If you place yourself in the situation where these people were in, what do you think it would have done to you when the Egyptians, there they were, the Red Sea was in front of them, the Egyptian army was behind them, and what are they going to do? And the path through the sea is made, and they go through and Moses tells them, don't fear, the people you saw today, you're going to see them no more. What would it do to your spirit? What would it do to you when you would be discouraged and you wouldn't know what's going to happen and you hear your leader tell you that? Wouldn't it put some life within you again and make you that you can keep on going? What about when you are feeling like I started the message out with this morning? And God is saying to you for I the Lord thy God will hold thy right hand saying unto thee fear not I will help thee Fear not thou worm of Jacob and ye men of Israel fear not you here at Melmont this morning I will help you I am your redeemer The Holy One of Israel. What about the men walking on the road to Emmaus and Jesus shows up and he says, Don't be affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. No, that wasn't on the road to Emmaus. I'm sorry. That was the angels talking to the ones who came to the tomb. But come and look where he is, but he is alive. What about Paul? When he is coming before the trials and God comes to him, and he says, be of good cheer, Paul. You're going to testify of me in Rome also, just as you have here in Jerusalem. Don't give up, Paul. Don't give up in this walk of the Christian faith. Don't give up. Keep on going. You've got this. You can do it, Paul. I am going to walk beside you. I'm going to be there. You're going to be my witness in Rome. And then what what about on his way to Rome? The sea is tossing and turning and things are looking bad. And the ship is going to, by all appearances, it feels like it's not going to make it. And Paul says... Be of good cheer. No man's life is going to be lost. Only the ship is going to be lost. But every man on this ship is going to live. Wouldn't it give you courage? In his autobiography, Elias Jungle Doctor, which was Dr. Paul White, concludes his chapter Doctor at Work, this is his, that was his chapter, Doctor at Work, on his medical career. I I found that friendship, fellowship, and encouragement lift a person's morale. Encouragement, be it physical or spiritual, is the most powerful and useful tonic in any, and I didn't look this word up, so it's basically in any pharmaceutical or any pharma, you know, in any medical world. Encouragement, be it physical or spiritual, is the most powerful medicine. Why am I bringing this message? Because I think sometimes we need a little bit more encouraging. Okay? We see things that are going on in the world today, We look at Israel. We look at Romania. We look at what's going on in this country. And we want to give up. Maybe even we look at what's going on in our brothers and sisters' lives and all that's going on and we just want to give up. Brothers and sisters, don't give up this morning. Keep going. It's not. It'll be worth it. In the end, this morning, if you're feeling like it's not going to be like it, we might not win, I'm going to tell you something. We're winning. We are on the winning side. It doesn't matter what it looks like in this world, it doesn't matter what it looks like in the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean just here. I mean the church universal. It doesn't matter what all is going on in the church of Jesus Christ this morning. And the things that we see coming in and we're saying, what is going on? And why is this coming in? And what should we do about this? Where is it all going to end? Brothers and sisters, get into the Word of God. Be encouraged and continue on. Don't give up this morning. This morning I'm going to look at the life, and you probably all already know, but we're going to look at the life of Barnabas this morning. You can turn to Acts chapter 4 for the first glimpse into his life. Acts chapter 4, the last two verses. You know, someone who encourages is not someone who sees things as much in a black and white situation, okay? Someone who is an encourager, who is... Really encouraging. He doesn't see things quite as much in a black and white situation. The people who see things as black and white, it's this way or it's this way. That's just how it is. They have a lot harder time encouraging others. And that's why I believe i believe they can do it, but it takes more work for them to do it. And they may need to make more of a conscious effort to encourage. Because they see things in that, this is sin, and this is right. And there's not a lot of grace in there, okay? Someone who is an encourager has a lot more grace. And they look at things, and they say, yes, I see this is sin, and yes, I see this is right but I think we can do something about this. I think we can help this person. I think we can help something here. And we'll see that as we continue on through this um, message. Let's read the last two verses here of Acts chapter 4. And Joses who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is, being interpreted, the son of Consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the, laid it at the apostles' feet. So here we have the first um, recorded writing of this man, Barnabas. The apostles actually gave him could we say the nickname of Barnabas, that name means the son of consolation. Which basically means he was someone who he couldn't help but encourage the people of God. And maybe even before he was converted, he was encouraging people. You know, if you drive through Mifflinburg, you see all the signs, you can do it, you're enough, and all of that. And I know what those signs are referring to They're not necessarily coming from a spiritual side of anything, they are referring more to someone who is, yes, depressed, maybe they are to the point of suicide and that's what these signs are trying to tell people, but it basically has the idea that you can do it in and of yourself, believe in yourself and you've got the power to do it. That's not what I'm saying here this morning. Because in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. So we're going to have to go someplace else for encouragement. And that needs to be from the Word of God. And when we're in the Word of God and we're encouraged, then we can go to others and we can encourage others to continue on in the the walk of this life. And maybe Barnabas was one like that before he was converted. He tried to encourage people even though it wasn't from a biblical encouragement. He was a Levite, so he did have some knowledge, or he did have knowledge of the Word of God, but he still needed to make that decision to follow Christ. The first thing I would like to get out of this passage right here is an encourager is one who leads by example. Okay? If we back up a little bit, we have that these people were coming, they were selling lands and houses, and they were bringing them and laying them at the apostles' feet, and then distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. But I would like to say that here comes Barnabas. He's the only one that we have a name for here in this this passage. He comes, he has land, and he sells it. And by doing that, he's being an encouragement to the others. And the others are seeing it. And they're saying, well, if he did it, then I want to do that too. Then I want to do that also. So he comes, laying this down, selling this land, laying it at the apostles' feet. (coughs) Excuse me. Barnabas didn't just say that the church should give up their resources. He actually did it himself. And by doing that, he was an encouragement to others. In other words, he didn't just say, well, yes, yes, brothers, yes, sisters, we should uh, sell our land, we should sell our houses, we should give it. No, he actually did it. And by that, he was an encouragement to the others, to others to keep doing it. When we see someone else doing something, that we think should not be done, are we willing to do do the opposite so we can encourage them to follow us? In other words, when you see someone doing something that you don't agree with or you think, why would they do that? Maybe you can come along beside them and you can talk to them, but why not be be an example also by doing the right thing and thereby encouraging them to not keep going the way they're going. Be that example. You know, it's easy to just use words and to talk to people. But when we actually show them by by example, it is an encouragement for them to follow that example. And I want you to that list that I gave earlier about you know, all the ones that are sitting here. Husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, and the list went on and on. I want you to keep that in mind as we go down through these different passages as we look at Barnabas. So in this first one, think of this as as fathers or of any of those people. Do we encourage by example? Fathers, are you encouraging your children, your sons, your daughters by example? Mothers. And the list goes on and on. Yes, we have to use words. Encouragement is using words also, but I would like to just in this first one bring out the idea, bring out that thought of it being by example. Turn over to Acts chapter 9 for the next look at Barnabas. verses 22 to 27. And just to get up to speed on where we're at here, we're jumping into this story. Kind of jumping into this story. This is Paul's conversion story when he went on to when he was on the road to Damascus and he met encountered Christ. Now Paul, <coughs> excuse me, in verse 22, but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their lying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So here we have Saul. He was on the road to Damascus to kill the, the Christians, to persecute or to bring them bound back to Jerusalem. And in the way he meets Christ First of all, we could go back and we could look at Ananias. Ananias is scared of him the same way that that we see here with the apostles back at Jerusalem. But anyway, as Paul keeps on going, he's preaching in Damascus. And after a while, the Jews, the ones that they thought he was on their side, now all of a sudden he was on the other side. They They wanted to kill him. So Paul knew of this. The disciples there at Damascus knew of this. They let him down in a basket, and he goes to Jerusalem. And then it it says in verse 26 that he has saved to join himself to the disciples. In other words, he comes to Jerusalem and comes up to the, the church there, the body of believers there, and he wants to join himself to them. And they say, whoa, wait a minute. We're not, no way. Not this man. No, when he left Jerusalem, he was On one mission, and that was to get more of us, just like us, just like the church, bring them back here. I don't believe him. I do not believe this man. And then we have verse 27, and it says, But Barnabas. From this I would like to take, and just hear me out on this, an encourager will take people at their word. Okay? Okay? Now I know that can be, wait a minute, where are you going with this? Because you're just going to believe everything everybody says? What I would like to say here is Barnabas looked at Saul. And I don't know, maybe Barnabas was in Damascus. And he knew Saul, and he heard something, and he saw the life. But he took Saul at face value, okay, and was willing to believe in him. I believe Barnabas was willing to say, you know what, if Paul is only lying here and Paul is only pretending to be a Christian just to try to get in here so that he can take the Christians, I believe Barnabas would have said, he wouldn't have just said, I believe him, but he was willing to right away say, you know what, there is something here. Let's look into this. Brothers, I think we can, we can believe this man. Let's just give them a chance. They will take what they hear and not immediately just say, no, I don't believe it. You know, Barnabas didn't just like immediately say, oh, don't believe it. You know, like the other disciples were doing. No, he said, I believe. Right, let's see here. Let's hear him out. And once again, I would like to say, like, this is not just saying that we just swallow everything that we hear. But let's give the person a chance. Let's not just write them off. Barnabas could have said, well, I'm not so sure about this, Paul. Maybe he's just playing this game on us. But Barnabas saw something in Paul and he believed that. And he came and he told the disciples, let's just believe in him. Let's give him some time. And soon they found out that this man was a changed man. So, an encourager is someone who takes people at their word rather than just right away they hear something and they write them off. They're willing to hear them out. Turn over to Acts chapter 11 for the next passage. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 26. <clears throat> Now they, which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phineas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. From this, I would like to say that an encourager is glad to see others exceed and will exhort them to grow in the Lord. That's an encourager. Here was Barnabas. Back at Jerusalem, they were hearing some things going on out here in Antioch. And they said, well, let's, let's check into this thing. And maybe they were thinking, you know, Barnabas. That would be the man to do it. Because he's the one who, when Paul came back to Jerusalem, Saul, when he came back to Jerusalem, he didn't just right away write Saul off. So I think he would be the one to send out there to Antioch, because I don't think he's going to right away just go in there with a maybe a preconceived idea, or just he's going to look into the thing, and he's going to see what's going on. So they send Barnabas... And I just like how verse 23 says it. Who when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was what? He was glad. That stood out to me yesterday as I read that. Barnabas came and he looked into this thing and he heard these brothers. He was there listening to them. This kind of ties in with the last point. But he's listening to them and he's glad. Hey, Look, there's others here who are coming to Christ. And he exhorts them. You know, I believe that the disciples or the church at Jerusalem knew. Why do you think they sent Barnabas? I already alluded to this a little bit, but I believe they knew that if they sent him, he would exhort, he would encourage, and he's not going to discourage them. Because as we know... We're, going to, we're not going to read it, but just in the next few chapters here in Acts, what happened? We had that whole Jerusalem council thing go on. And Barnabas didn't get caught up in that thing. At least not here. We're going to look at a little later here where he did. Notice that a lot of people were added to the Lord because of Barnabas. He exhorted them that they would continue on and cleave unto the Lord. An encourager is someone who is selfless and doesn't see what he can get out of a situation. He is more concerned about seeing others exceed. That's what Barnabas was doing here. When he comes to Antioch, he wasn't trying to see what can I get out of this thing? What can I get some benefit out of this? No, he was glad that there was Christians at Antioch, that there was believers at Antioch, and he encouraged them to continue on in the work of the Lord and continue on in their growth. And continue on in their life in Christ, nothing for himself; he gave of himself. Turn over to Acts chapter twelve for our next point. And this one, we're going to jump around, jump through a few um, verse or a few passages here. This is the one that usually comes to mind when we think of Barnabas and an encourager. Acts chapter twelve, verses twenty-four. And we're going to read through 13.5. But the word of the Lord grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lu- Lucas of, Lucius of Cyrene and Maniath which had been brought up with Herod the Tachriart and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they have fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And then down in verse 13 of chapter 13, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now jump over to chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder, one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. <clears throat> now, we've jumped through quite a quite a bit of Acts here. And all through this, we don't have time to read it all. But all through this, Barnabas is mentioned a few times from at least the end of chapter 12 through the end there of uh, through the end of chapter 15 where we ceased reading. So we have Paul and Barnabas getting together. They're going out on the first missionary journey and they take this man, John Markal. Okay? And then we see in verse 13 where John Mark leaves, goes back to Jerusalem. And then after that is where we have the whole Jerusalem council, where they were the ones at Jerusalem, there was the Judaizers, those that were concerned about the Gentiles coming to Christ. And we come back, and all that takes place, and then Paul comes to Barnabas in verse 15, and he says, Hey, Let's go back and go through and visit those churches that we established. Let's see how they're doing. And Barnabas says, all right, I'll go with you, but I'm going to take John Mark along. And Paul says, no, that's not happening. I'm not taking him along. It got pretty bad because they separated. Okay? From this, I would like to say an encourager is one who sees the good in people and not just the negative. Okay? Paul did not think very much of John Mark. He looked at John Mark like a deserter. And in Paul's mind, John was not good for the work of the gospel. See? Paul was a black and white person, that's where it was. John Mark, he left us back there, and that's not good. We're not taking him along again. No. Barnabas looked at John Mark as someone who needed encouragement, and he would be an asset to the gospel. You see the difference? Two men. They worked together beautifully, Paul and Barnabas. Here I believe we see How someone who sees things in black and white has a harder time being an encourager. Paul just had a hard time encouraging John Mark. He didn't see anything good in John Mark. Someone who's going to leave when we're out there preaching the gospel and just go back to Jerusalem where it's nice and cozy? No. We're not taking him along again. And I believe this is the one area that we struggle with so much because we see someone who is not maybe putting their whole heart into something and we want to write them off immediately and say they are no good for the work. But what I would like to say with this is we must remember that we need a, Barnabas, that we need a Paul and a Barnabas in the church. And I believe they can both work together. We need both of them in the church. One of the problems, though, that arises out of this is that the Barnabases are quieted by the Pauls. When that happens, we lose people because the Pauls have a harder time seeing the good in people and they just want to get the John Marks out of the way. The Barnabases need to realize, though, that they need the Pauls or it can be easy to allow negative things in the church. When we allow the Pauls to have their way... What happens is we have people who lose spirit and want to just give up and not keep on going because they think they are not valuable or an asset. We can see this happening in the home as well as in the church. So you follow me there? It's easy for a Paul to look at a Barnabas and just write him off because it looks like the Pauls are looking at it and they're saying, Yeah, no, wait a minute, Barnabas. You're uh, you're compromising here. You're taking John Marks. You're taking the John Marks in, and you're just don't you realize these these fellows are probably not good for the work. You can't do that. Listen, we need both, okay. And the Pauls need to just calm down a little bit and take a step back sometimes, and be an encourager. Yes, we need the Pauls. They need to. Be there, because they see things in black and white. But we need to work alongside the Barnabases and say, I see where you're coming from. I see what you see in him. I'm willing to take a look at it. I'm I'm willing to listen to what you have to say about this brother or sister or this situation. We need both. Now, one thing I will have to say, we do know that Paul did think differently of John Mark later. In Colossians 4.10, says this, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. That sure is a different, different Paul talking about John Mark, is it not? Receive him. You receive commandments of him. He instructed you. You receive him if he comes. And then in 2 Timothy 4.11, he says this, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. All of a sudden, Paul is saying basically the same thing Barnabas was saying. John Mark is profitable for the ministry. Barnabas, basically we could say, and I don't know that Paul and Barnabas, obviously something took place. The contention wasn't there anymore. But we don't read ever again after the end of Acts 15. We never again read of Paul and Barnabas together that I know of. And maybe if I'm wrong, please correct me. But it would seem like Paul is saying, you know what, Barnabas? You were right. I should have just listened. It would have been okay to take him along. He just needed to learn a few things. He just needed some encouragement. Now, There's one thing that I would like to say, that could be a negative for an encourager. Let's look at it. Turn to Galatians chapter two, verses eleven to fourteen. And I didn't realize this was. I read this, but I didn't realize it was here until I was studying yesterday and came across this. Galatians chapter two, verses eleven to fourteen. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compel us out the Gentiles to live as through the Jews? What I would like to see here is that someone who is an encourager might, by encouraging people, by taking the step, these four points that I looked at from um, Barnabas' life, they may get swept into things a little easier than a Paul will. And here Barnabas did get swept into this whole thing that took place in Acts chapter 15, I believe it was, there at the Jerusalem council. Barnabas got swept into this thing. And Paul, he's just, he's appalled at what's going on here. They could be swept into, the Barnabases, the encouragers, could be swept into things that can be detrimental to the gospel because they want to believe the best of people, they want to take people at their word, and all of those things. So there is this negative thing, but it's just a little thing in the big picture of it all. Because Barnabas, we know, he stood strong on things as we look through Acts It doesn't mean though that we need to quiet the encourager. We need them. Barnabas, in spite of this, was a man who knew where he stood. You know, an encourager as Paul, he or as Barnabas, he isn't a pushover. He will take a stand. He's going to take a stand. Don't just look at the encourager and say, well, he probably sees things a little gray or they see things a little gray, so we gotta be careful with them. We gotta make sure they stay in line. No, they're not pushovers. Look at Acts chapter 13 to 15. Barnabas wasn't a pushover. He stood with Paul. And I don't think it was just because Paul was such a strong leader and so influential that Barnabas did this. No, Barnabas knew where he stood. And then also, and I would just like to quickly move through this here, but also someone who encourages others needs to know how to encourage himself in the Lord. And I don't think we're going to, for the sake of time, read Psalm 113, but just read it. It's an encouragement, and that's just one psalm we could look at a whole bunch of psalms that we could turn to, to read, to be encouraged. If you're going to encourage others, you yourself will need to be encouraged and know where to take take that encouragement from to give it to others. I found this in just um, someone who was kind of looking at the life of Barnabas in my studies. Barnabas exemplified a man who lived in this world, but lived for another kingdom. His encouraging model for a Christ-centered life serves as a pattern for today's believers to follow. See, Barnabas as an encourager... He was focused on serving Christ, not himself. I'm going to just read a few verses. on These have, don't have the word encouragement in them. When I did a search on the word encourage in the Bible, there was only about four verses or so that have that in them. And they were all in the, New, in the Old Testament. The verses I'm going to read are to encourage you. But they have the word exhort. And the word exhort has the meaning of to encourage To embolden, to cheer, to advise, the primary sense seems to be excite, to excite or to give strength, spirit or courage, to incite by words or advice, to animate or urge by arguments, to a good deed or to any laudable conduct or course of action. First Timothy or First Thessalonians four one Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Hebrews three thirteen, but exhort one another to but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Jude 1.3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And in closing, I would just like to read an illustration that I came across. Years ago, and this is not something I'm condoning, but Hollywood put out a movie entitled Stand and Deliver. It was the story of Jamie, I'm not sure what his last name, how to pronounce his last name, who was an incredibly successful teacher in a rough high school. In his class were two students named Johnny. One was a bright student and a joy to teach, but the other wasted his talents and bucked, wasted his talents, bucked authority and refused to learn anything. Well, at the first PTA meeting for parents, Johnny's mother asked Jamie for a report on her son's progress. Jamie said, Why, Johnny is a joy to have in my class. I am so glad he is one of my students. Well, the next day, rebellious, rambunctious Johnny walked into the classroom with a big smile on his face and a totally different attitude. He ran up to this teacher and said, my mother told me what you said about me last night, and I just want you to know I've never had a teacher who wanted me before or who even liked me, and I'm going to work harder than I've ever done to be a good student. Indeed, he became a model student. Well, what Johnny did not know was that the teacher thought that Johnny's mother was the mother of the other Johnny, who was his best student. His comments were meant not for that Johnny, but the other, but the, but the results were unbelievable. One encouraging word spoken at the right moment, at the right time, for the right person, transformed a young man's life. That is exactly what encouragement does. Let's be encouragers. Let's speak into the lives of our students, of our brothers and sisters, of our children, of our wives, of our husbands. Let's speak into them encouraging words. We don't know what it might do to them. Shall we all rise for a closing prayer and benediction? Lord, I just want to bless this congregation this morning. Father, bless each one sitting here this morning. I pray that they would be encouraged today to continue on in the walk that they're walking, this Christian life. They wouldn't give up. Lord, I don't know what each one is facing here. I don't know if there's those that are discouraged and were ready to give up, but Lord, I pray that this morning, you would encourage them to not give up. And Lord, I pray that they would continue on. Bless them through the rest of this day and this next week. Lord, whatever may come their way, that you would be near to them and bless them and encourage them in you. Thank you for them, Lord, I pray. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You are dismissed.